chat bubble thumbs up from Brian. So that means we're good to go. <laughs> All right, here we go. Everything sucks. Just kidding. Everything is great. No, really. I haven't thought about my ex today. Oh, wait. Fuck, I just did. But I went. This is the Bad Weather Podcast. I am your host, JP Hurley, and it starts right now. Joining me this week, Brian Badweather Burns. Brian, welcome hey. back. Hey, it's good to be here, JP. Um, just needed to make some some uh, program formatting changes and uh, happy to be back on the air with you. Yeah, we missed you for a couple weeks. Uh, you were on a sabbatical. You're better off. You, you were You were better off flying on your own, <laughs> you know, like growing your wings, you know, spreading your... Uh, or growing your your uh, skills. So good job. Growing our wings and spreading our spreading yeah, our. I, yeah, I, I won't even. Yeah. I struggled with that too. <laughs> yeah. You're a little bit rusty after being on your sabbatical. <laughs> that's right. That's, that's was your time yeah. off paid for by the uh, the bad weather podcast with all the millions of dollars that we rake in. I have received. Um, uh, it was a hundred percent pay raise uh, plus bonus on top of that. <laughs> So just multiply by zero, and that's the number. You went from zero to zero. Wow. Yeah. yeah uh, was, I didn't know you were making the same yeah, as me. That's not yeah, fair. No. Yeah. Not well paid. But well, welcome back, and not, uh, not a welcome, money. not a welcome back, but a welcome to a very special guest uh, this week on the Bad Weather Podcast. Joining us is Angela, um, and Brian. I'm gonna, like I said, uh, in the pre-production, I'm gonna let you uh, introduce our special guest of the week. Yeah, so I've been wanting to have you for um, several months now, Angela, on the on our show. Angela Hart is a an, a family law attorney and uh, a good friend of mine. We practice in the same professional circles, and so I've gotten to know Angela and her skills and a little bit about her personal story. Angela has been a, an attorney for thirty years. And um, she may talk a little bit about that. And she's also has a personal connection, having gone through divorce herself, which, um, Angela, you can choose to talk about as much or as little as that as you want to. Um, but I just really value you for your skills, your uh, and especially heart uh, <laughs> that, uh, you know, you're aptly named because you bring a lot of that both to the, you know, if I'm sitting in a, in a room with, with you in, in mediation or having a, a drink for happy hour, you're the same heart filled person. So Aww. welcome. Thank you. Welcome to the show. Thanks. Very nice. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe um, let's just jump in and have you say about what your connection to divorce is. Like, how would you tell that story? Yeah, so I usually tell people that one of the reasons I became a family law attorney is because I went through my own divorce. Um, so I started practicing law, um, but I didn't do family law at the beginning. I did business and real estate and landlord tenant. Mm. Um, so it wasn't my initial, you know, introduction to family law until after I went through my divorce. And then I, I went through a divorce when I was at home with the kids. I have three kids. And at the time of my divorce, they were ages five, eight, and 10. Um, so they were pretty young. And I didn't really see the divorce coming. I mean, there were some red flags, you know, when you look back and you go, yeah, I just probably should have saw this coming, but I didn't. And so it took me 
by surprise. And my ex is also an attorney. So mm-hmm. um, he was he's a military attorney. So he looks at things very black and white. And so when we went through this, I mean, he already had prepared this, you know, I had been on the wanting this to happen for like, I mean, it seems like it was two years or whatever he had been preparing for this. So I, it took me by surprise, but he was already like two years down the road. So it was a really hard process to get through this. And I didn't realize that, Oh my gosh, is this what people go through when they go through a divorce? It was super emotional. Um, just really stressful. And, um, we both, you know, went and, and, uh, you know, obtained family law attorneys ourselves. Um, and it was just, we just went through the traditional process. He went through three different attorneys. Um, together, we went through three different mediators. We ended up in trial. I mean, it was really very paperwork intense, very difficult and very negative. And I'm like, there's gotta be other ways to do this. So, I mean, I just camped out at the law library. I researched everything. I just wanted to know about the situation and about family law. And then I ended up, you know, opening up my own practice afterwards because I kind of wanted to keep a foot in with the kids um, and keep a foot in the legal profession. And so I wanted to have some flexibility. So I went solo and then I started to say, well, I can include family law because I know what people are going through because I've been through it now. And then I started researching. I'm like, oh my gosh, there are so many different ways to do this. You don't have to be in litigation. You don't have to go to court. You can bring in teams and other members. You can bring in child specialists and do parenting plans. I mean, there are so many other ways to do this than that traditional system that are so much more positive. So I'm like, why aren't people doing it this way? And so then I just started going to collaborative meetings. I just started showing up there. I became a trained mediator in family law. I did the collaborative training and then I just, I really focus now on my practice and how to keep people out of court because they don't, if they don't have to be there, that's ideal. So that's kind of me in a nutshell. And now I probably do about 90% of my practices, family law. Wow. Quite the transition. Yeah. Yeah. What, what do you think contributed to that? Your divorce experience was so negative. I mean, it sounds like lengthy, um, different types of um, approaches to try to fix it that didn't work. What was the, was there one or two things that contributed well, to that? Well, number one, I think it was my former spouse contributing to that and just the yeah. way going it's always about his it. Fault, I know, of course, yeah. just the way of going about it. But also I think it was people just not knowing, like the attorneys just not knowing that there were other options out there um, oh. to help. And also, um <clears throat> You know, I just think if I knew and that I would could understand and then just plus not getting the information uh, about, you know, um, you know, different options. I mean, I think mentally yeah. you have to be prepared to get through this. And I don't know if I was there. Um, mm-hmm. So I think even it contrib- I think I was even a contributor to that. I wasn't ready to move forward. Um, and I didn't know what to expect and I didn't have anybody helping me to get there. So I think that was part of the process, too. And then there was, you know, it just was, we just had a lot of paperwork. Um, we have, we have rental properties. And so at that t- point in time, we had 15 rental units and, you know, just managing the paperwork and then him having, every time he had a new attorney, then I had to start all the, pa- I felt oh. like I had to start all the paperwork over again. So Gross. I know. <laughs> and then he would do things like, oh, well, um, you know, you don't need any child. And this is a point when I was a stay at home. So I didn't have an income coming in. 
So he's like, oh, I don't need to give you any child support. Oh, by the way, you can have $300 and that's it. And I'm like, well, that's not really going to cut it. So I actually had to bring a motion just to get child support, which is just not normal. <laughs> so there's a lot of things that had to be done that, you know, I, I, who is this person? And, you know, are you looking at this is, you know, what's the focus here? You know, you, mm-hmm. and I don't think the attorneys were helping. So. No, I wonder well, if, um, can I, can I ask, I, I've got so many questions, Angela, like a million times by by the way this topic in general was one that was requested multiple times from listeners um it's been kind of like in the mailbag talking about how do you choose a lawyer all the things that come with the legal side of things like you know which direction do i go like there like everybody wants to know these things so i think you being on this episode is going to be invaluable and i think it's going to be timeless um but what so when you were kind of going through all of that all of that process um, the, did you kind of ever get the sensation because I got this myself a little bit from the, um, law team on the other side of the, of the ball of the coin. Um, did you ever get the sense that maybe some lawyers out there might, um, let conflict build as a, um, a tool to maybe let the, the paycheck build. I, I hate to put it in, in that type of light, but I'm, I was always wondering. I, I mean, now that I've been doing this for so long, I do think that um, not only is it your job as an attorney to explain to your client kind of what the process is, but sometimes you have to reel them in t- to explain what the reality is of the situation. And you have to say, this is what's going to happen if you litigate. And sometimes they don't want to hear that answer. Um, not all attorneys will do that. Um And that's what I'm finding is that, okay, whatever the client wants is what they're going to go with. And even though that client is not really looking at the reality of the situation, it's going to cost more time and money to do what that client wants to do. The attorney really needs to step in and say, this is what's going to happen. This is not what's best for your family if you go this route. But this is, you know, I mean, so that's kind of like, I find like, you know, and I, I probably have lost, I mean, I've lost probably some clients because I'm pretty out, you know, pretty outspoken about that saying, you know, this is what's going to happen, you know, if you end up doing things a certain way. And, you know, like I had, like, for example, I had a client come to me and they had a, um, a police pension and I'm like, and she says, I don't want this touched, you know, as we go forward, I want to keep all of this. And the reality is, is that everything is looked at as part of the divorce process. And Mm -hmm. so you have to be willing, you know, and I have to break that to my client and she didn't like my answer, you know, or I, or I have another client and, um, you know, for example, where they have a lot of, they're just, their kids are, were in everything and they were just spending more than they could afford. And I'm like, it's not sustainable. We're going to have to look at as part of this process, your spending and your budgets to kind of reel you guys in on expenses. And so she didn't like that either. And so she went off and hired another attorney. That actually person came back to me a year later and said she wanted to hire <laughs> me again. So that was interesting too. But but I mean, those are the types of things that I think attorneys also need to have that reality check with their clients mm-hmm. um, that this is really what you need to do. I mean, the focus needs to be on how to move forward and make everyone's lives better. And, you know, the process I like to do at the very beginning is you're looking at goals and not all attorneys do that, you know, grounding Mm -hmm. the couple and what are your goals 
And then what are your goals for the process? Are there any shared goals? And then how do you then meet those goals? So it's not just looking at, you know, how do we win? Because there's no winning in divorce. It's no. how do we move this forward and make it better for both of you? And I don't think all attorneys are doing that. How do you lose, but still feel kind of okay about it? Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, so, so having all that been said, and I, and I got a feeling like this episode is going to be, we're going to be bouncing back and forth between your divorce story, which is uh, something I want to dig more into also. Um, and also like your profession and like the, the theme that surrounds that. But after, after having said all of that, how, how does one go about finding an attorney that does, that is a goal-based attorney that, um, will be honest with them about, you know, if this goes to litigation and, and be, be upfront about those things like you are, how do you find that? Cause I feel like it's, uh, just kind of like you, good luck, go on Google and good luck or ask some friends that have gone through it through a divorce. I don't know how to do it. Well, I mean, I guess this is a good place to plug collaborative law because I think most collaborative law attorneys have that goal-based focus. And so if you go to the if you go to the website, the Collaborative Law of Institute website, you're going to find a lot of attorneys and they're all going to have that same philosophy. Now there are many other attorneys out there that have really good philosophies as well that are not on that website, but I mean that's a good place to start. And those that process will work, you know, if you are able to work together. Um, so that means there's no red flags. You know, there's not any control issues. There's not any issue with people not wanting to disclose information. There's not any abuse issues. That's, you know, that's the type of process that's going to work with. Now, if you have a difficult, you know, spouse who's who's not following the rules and you need to litigate, then there are lots of good litigators out there too. Um, you know, and then a, a lot of times, some of these, sometimes like I will recommend litigators to people because I, you know, who I think need to be hardball. And, you know, I've got those, I've got that list of people that I, that I know will, mm -hmm. will work well. And so you just kind of have to like, where do people go? I mean, yeah, you can, I think references are good. Talking to people are good, but again, everybody's situation is a little bit different. Um, and so I always tell people what works for one person is not always going to work for another person. Mm -hmm. Um, so even though this person, you know, you know, and one person might need more handholding and one person might not care about that. Um, so you need to interview attorneys and you need to probably go with more than, you know, have consult with more than one. And, you know, I see that as making an investment in your future and you, and, and making sure you feel confident because, it's ultimately what you want. And it's not what the attorney wants. Um, so you need to be aware of that. You choose the process. You choose where you want to go with this. The attorney will guide you and will help you get there. But you ultimately are in control of that process. I have a I have a follow up, JP, to that um, for Angela. How Angela, how would you advise like how would someone know a, a potential client whether they they can use a more collaboratively minded attorney versus a litigator, someone who can really fight? How would you know what you need? I would say if, I mean, you don't have to be on the same page with, you know, what you want, you know, like your agreement, yeah. like if on your terms, like you, you know, and plus sometimes if you need more, like one person might need to not really know what's going on with their finances and stuff. Yeah. So sometimes you need a little bit more education. I think yeah. I think those type of situations where maybe there's some more education needed or even you just need to feel like you're being heard and you need to have a team approach, those are excellent for, for having a collaborative process. I think those would be ideal. Um, if you need more litig 
litigation, like a more litigated my attorney, it's um, I'm finding those cases are more when the other side is more one side is more controlling, yeah. um, you know, and wants to control everything or the, there maybe there's an abusive situation, definitely. Um, or maybe where there's mm -hmm. some potentially some the person is hiding assets and yeah. is going to disclose. I mean, those yeah. are kind of the three areas where I think you might need to be in the court system for that. Yeah, I, I, that's that's a good answer. I mean, I think about that too. And no divorce is easy. Like there's a it, there's a divorce is happening for a reason. So it's expected that you're not going to agree on some or a lot of things. But it's like, can you be adults and 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 have it have a, a disagreement, but eventually work it out? You know, is there good faith coming into that process, or like you said? do you suspect that there's bad faith, you know, like someone's trying out to get you or does not have your best interests and is just trying to win. And I, hopefully that's the exception to the rule. Um, so we've got the collaborative law. What is it? Collaborativelaw.org is a website, a database of collaboratively focused attorneys. Um, and then I'm just kind of saying back what, what I'm hearing and then it, after that, it's it's interviewing it, different attorneys and finding yeah. out how they view their job. Are they willing to be honest with you, even if it goes against what you ideally want? Um, uh, and are they do they seem to be having the best interests of the family uh, if you have kids or are they just looking out for you and saying, I, you know, whatever you want, we'll we'll get her done. Mm -hmm. Yep. I yeah. think that, that's a good summary. Okay. Um, another from my list of uh, my slew of a list of questions. Um, I want to talk about your transition into family law. And I, I'm wondering, and I, I've asked this question to Brian about a half dozen times, uh, both on the show and off the show. Um, d d is it taxing um, in your position to, to have to face um, maybe such a negative theme um, day in and day out as a profession or, or is it just something you've kind of gotten your sea legs for and it's not as much of a deal as it used to be or what's the we were just talking <laughs> weren't we Angela <laughs> oh it's it can be really stressful I mean because you're dealing with a lot of negativity and if you have the wrong attorney on the other side it's super hard to get anything done and especially if the other party is difficult and I'm finding these days that there's so much addiction out there and that is related to divorce that it's hmm. making the process more complicated than it really needs to be. And ever since the pandemic, I've, I've gotten so many cases where there have been addiction issues, especially alcoholism. And it's just really hard to um, handle that. If you, especially if you don't have an attorney who knows how to um, I don't know if I say control the client, but to knows how to deal with that on yeah, their manage. end to manage. Oh, wow. the client. Interesting. So yeah. that's really difficult and stressful. Um, and I was going to say initially, you know, I, yeah. So those, those, those family law attorneys who can go out and do that litigation, I, I just have so much respect for them because it's a really hard job. Um, you know, I mean, I feel like I'm, I like doing family law because I'm helping people get through a really difficult process in their lives. Mm -hmm. And I feel good about that, but it's also difficult. 
um, as well. And so it's like, okay, can I, and I think family law attorneys get burned out over this. Yeah. Um, when I first started my, what it wasn't a, it wasn't really a family law case, but my very first case that I actually took on was an order for protection. So it was a restraining order case. Um, I think, um, and it was a really hard one. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, this is super stressful. It's like this person made a threat to my client and it was a really bad threat. I mean, it was, it was super scary threat. And, but he made it to other employees um, that were there and not directly to my client. Okay. So I have a dog barking in the background. I hope you can't hear that. So do oh, I. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't even hear. No, it. I, I couldn't hear it either, but I've got one barking as well. So I think we're, we're just going to be uh, a barky doggy episode, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, super, super hard because it's like the only way for me to prove the case was to actually subpoena other employees who heard the direct threat because my client wow. didn't hear it. Um, and so it's like, well, how, and they were, they didn't want to come and come to the hearing because they were afraid of him. And so it's like, well, then what do you do? So then I'm like, okay, well, if I don't have any evidence and my client is like freaking out, I have no case and I can't do it. And so then I tried to subpoena the other employees, but they all, they, they heard that they were going to be subpoenaed. And so they all avoided work that day. And so I had nothing. <laughs> so it was really hard. Holy cow. I know. So I'm like, okay, that was really stressful because if I make a mistake, my client could die. I'm like, I don't know if I can handle that. I mean, that's going to be really bad. So I really stay away from restraining order cases because just because of the stress level. So I, again, so much, I have so much respect for those attorneys who do that kind of work because you, they are really needed out there. Um, so yeah, there's, but yeah, I just, you have to have the right mentality for that. Yeah. It sounds like one of the things that you said makes, uh, um, a situation more difficult as the other attorney or the other spouse. Um, I wanted to dive into that a little bit too, because I noticed when I hired my attorney, um, she immediately asked who the other attorney was going to be. Cause it sounds like you guys kind of know each other. Like if you've been in the industry a while, you guys know of uh, a lot of the names, like in the, in the same region that you are at. Um, is that kind of a common thing or was that kind of a more isolated for my experience? Uh, no, it's pretty common. In fact, if I, I would like to know who the other side is, because if I have a good relationship with that other person and I, and I know their work, I will immediately just reach out to them and start a dialogue. Um, and I know what it's going to, I know as soon as I know who the other attorney is, if I know that person, I know how well the case is going to go or how, or I can kind of get a gist on what I need to do to prepare for this case based on who the other attorney is. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's wild. Um, and I'm sure likewise, Brian, in your industry, you probably know um, a lot of the people like in your region as well. So I'm sure that there's a lot of crossover that you're hearing from what Angela's talking about, I'm guessing. Yeah, I mean, I think what what you're saying, Angela, is so true that the um, the people involved um, make the biggest difference in in the outcome and and how they practice. And everybody's got a different skill set. So the more you know, the the better. And so if, you know, if you're, you're uh, interviewing Angela, um, tell her, you know, right off the bat, if there's an attorney that your spouse is interviewing and ideally there's not, and Angela, Angela can tell you, you know, go interview this and this and this person, because that will make your case cost a lot less and be yeah. done a lot sooner. Like, I think people would, would welcome that information yeah. if they could use it. Yeah. 
Man, Angela, are there, I'm, I'm guessing conversely, there are attorneys in the region that you've dealt with in the past and you will deal with again in the future where it's like, you find out they're on the other side and you're kind of, you're like, oh fuck. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's Jake Weatherman again from Weatherman, Weatherman and Smith. Yeah. Not yeah. that I'm going to like bad mouth any attorneys, but there are some attorneys that I, I probably will not work with in the future. Yeah. Oh, you can choose that. I'm sure. I'm, I'm guessing you would hand it <laughs> off then. Yeah. I mean, if I, if I know that that attorney is on board and, or, and they come to me and I say, um, you know, I, I don't have to take the case if I think that's not, or I can say, I think this is, you're going to, or I can say, I think with this attorney, this is who you're going to need to go with, you know, in, in, you know, on the opposite end. And I can give, I, you know, I can help that person make sure they have the right support on their end. It may not be me, um, but I can definitely steer them in the right direction. Yeah. Interesting. Oh, okay. That just feels depressing hearing that, you know, anecdote, like you're just watching someone walk out the door. Who's going to be spending tens of thousands <laughs> oh, of no. dollars and just end up on the other side in pain. Well, in Converse, I, I have my first, uh, I actually don't know if it's going to come through, but I have my first contact with someone who's been, who's in litigation and they're the, her and the other party have stopped um, using both of their attorneys because mm. they're too litigious and mm -hmm. they're going to take a break from litigation and go the collaborative route. So oh, wow. I might, so I thought that I, I never had that happen before. So that's the first two. That's so. cool. That's wild. Um, a couple more, uh, field questions for you then. Like I said, I want to navigate back towards your personal experience with the divorce as well. Um, to maybe close out the show here and maybe get a Brian Burns burning question blast from the past, uh, to finish things off here too. But I want to ask about like the, um, pandemic. You mentioned that you saw like a theme of substance abuse kind of like, uh, was an uptick, um, like around that time, what other type of themes? Cause the, the pandemic was literally a, a catalyst for a lot of divorces that I've heard of, um, from just friends and family and stuff. What are anomalies or what are, what are the themes did you see that, that was kind of a result of, uh, the pandemic in your field? So are you asking like me or Brian or? Yeah. Like you, Angela, specifically wondering like, um, substance abuse was like something you saw was an uptick, uh, like a theme in a lot of the, the family cases you handled. Um, were there other things that you saw that kind of like become, became like a trend during that time? Um, that was really the main one. I mean, I think, and it's, it's really common. I mean, I've had lots, lots of cases that have substance abuse. I mean, there are other kind of addictions out there too that, that are popping up, but substance abuse with alcoholism was the primary one. Um, what I also have noticed is that, you know, what people have done with the pandemic is that they've kind of, you know, if there was something going on with the relationship, um, maybe this was kind of like the last straw. It's like, oh mm -hmm. yeah, now that we've spent so much time together, we realize we're just not, you know, made for each other anymore. And so that was kind of like, it just put people in to, you know, figure out that they just, it, it just what, what wasn't meant to be anymore. And that the mm -hmm. pandemic really is kind of the instigator of that. I was wondering if that came through on your side as well, because I've, I've seen that uh, as a theme on my side as well, just like for, through friends and family and listeners. Uh, it seemed like if there was ever any cracks in the foundation of a relationship, the pandemic kind of like, you know, fast forwarded things a bit, you know, like you, you it put each other like you were at in each other's faces like 24 seven almost. Yeah. And um, it just kind of sped things up into the, you know, five yeah. or 10 years in the future. It felt like. Yeah. I saw the same thing. It, it either uh, 
strengthened the marriage or it pushed them farther apart. It kind of yeah. polarized uh, relationships. So there was definitely good that came from it from a lot of people that I've talked to, but also the beginning of the end for others. Yeah. Um, and then switching back um, a gear to, towards your personal experience of the divorce too. And I, and I could see again, this be, being pretty fluid, we'll probably bounce back and forth between uh, those two themes here. But um, I want to ask you more. It's like, I wrote down a bunch of questions as you were going through your <laughs> um, discussion about that, your experience. And I wanted to know, um, this is kind of like a perfect segue question between the two themes, but looking back on your divorce, now that you've had 30 years of family law. Um, how long have you been practicing family law specifically? So probably since like 2015. So probably, you know, 10, roughly 10 years. Yeah. Okay. So you're, you're uh, almost decade of family law now. So you, and you know, like a lot of the nooks and crannies and a lot of the nuances in, in family law, looking back on your divorce, what would you do over um, now that you know what you know? Um. Well, let me, let me like, I'll, I'll kind of give you a personal, a little bit of personal background. It's kind of like what I experienced. Yes. And so what happened when I went through my divorce, there was two things that I really had a hard time getting over. And one of them was that, and especially as a stay-at-home mom, I, it's, it's that I couldn't automatically choose to see my kids whenever I wanted to see my kids. Mm-hmm. You know, I had to now share and have specific days and timeframes that I had to now see my own kids that were, you know, from me. And I'm like, that was just a really hard thing for me to work through. Um, and I, and if I, and looking back, you know, it's like, I think it's because, you know, I has, I didn't have any time on my own, um, when I was with the kids, cause I was always with the kids 24 mm-hmm. seven. So if I, you know, and now, you know, that I have this extra time with kids, um, or not having extra time with the kids, I've looked back and say, Oh my gosh, why didn't I have, why didn't I have more time for me to begin more with? me time? Yeah. And so I think that if I would have done things differently, I, I would say more me time, uh, would be ideal because you realize that you need that. And I didn't have that. And so you realize that you really need to have that me time. And so I think that's what made it so hard is that I just didn't the consequences of that as part of the divorce I just saw that I didn't get to share the kids or had to Mm -hmm. share the kids and I didn't get to see them but what I really needed was realizing that I wasn't just living for my kids I was I needed to have my own life as well yeah I think that's that's kind of the hindsight of looking back at that so that was one thing that's a great one and then the second thing was um putting a value on yourself you know, when you're going through the divorce process, um, there's so much numbers and you're looking at like, what are the numbers to, you know, it becomes down to what I think people get kind of hooked into is it's just a value of who you are. And they go, this does not mean that this number is the value. And this is what your marriage is. Um, these are Mm -hmm. just, you know, the business. And so I think people get bogged down in looking at this is just representative of of me. It's like, they don't have, and this is what I didn't have. I didn't have like an acknowledgement that the marriage was at least worth more than what that number was on the piece of paper. Mm -hmm. And I think people need to understand that is that where's the acknowledgement that, yeah, our our marriage, what happened, but it was worth something when we were married, but that doesn't equate to the value. Now that you're looking at as you're going through the divorce numbers. And so mm-hmm. I think you need to separate those two out. And I think in hindsight, you need to look at 
you know, yeah, you were, you did, you did have a decent relationship and there was, it needs to be an acknowledgement there. And I think what people aren't getting, and I never got this through my divorce process is that there was a good relationship there at some point in time. Mm -hmm. And now it's time to move on. Yeah. And so you're talking closure or you're talking moving on. And I think that's essential. Somehow there needs to be something which would really help people kind of move to that next stage that yeah. I get and didn't have. And so I think people get bogged down in that looking at how do they value themselves as going through this process. Yep. Yeah. And then you realize that you were valuing yourself based on something outside, you know, a, a marriage relationship status, uh, net worth, um, mm -hmm. parenting, which all of which are valid, but not, uh, you can't count on or rely on those things. That's good. Yeah. It's really yeah. wise. Uh, this really sucks. I've got like, uh, another full page of questions. We might have to have Angela on ag again, if she's going to be uh, gracious enough mm -hmm. to allow us to have her on again, but, um, I'm going to do, do the best I can with the time we have remaining, but I'm wondering specifically about the, the kids. So now that you've kind of moved, uh, navigated through that. And before the podcast started, you said that, um, one of your sons helped you set up the mic, by the way, uh, whichever son that was great job, kudos going to give you a shout out. Uh, your mom sounds phenomenal. Like this is she a great, so, she sounds like a, I, I, Angela honestly thought you were like a, uh, podcaster. Like you've had a lot of experience and you, you do this all the time. Your, your, uh, audio sounds great. So, um, kids now, now looking back on things, uh, how, how did you navigate through like the difficulties of co-parenting? Because like a lot of um, myself and our, our other co-host, John, who's not on the show today, um, and a lot of our listeners are kind of in the mix right now, like they're in the middle of it. Um, and this is all just starting for them. And we're searching for answers on how to navigate through very difficult conflict and co-parenting and uh, kids having struggles. Um, looking back on all of that, can you give us some of the maybe like silver bullets or some of the things that really helped um, your kids going through those moments if, if you're uh, willing to share? Sure. And so um, communication was, has always been difficult with my former spouse. Um, and so it, it, so a lot of the times my goal was to try to be the buffer so that the kids would not be in the middle of any of this. And I think the hard part was, is that I always, I didn't want to say anything, which was really hard, anything negative about my spouse, even though I wanted to, mm -hmm. I really bit my tongue and chose not to say anything negative because it is their dad. And I think there's a, there's an article that just came out that I was reading too. And I don't, um, about what a judge, the judge's blunt words about co-parenting and, you know, technically, you know, your child is half of each of you. And so by saying something negative about the other spouse, technically you're saying something negative about somebody that's half of you. Ooh, I like that. And so it's really, you're really putting your child in a really hard state when mm -hmm. you think like that, because it's like, then you're saying like, oh, that does that mean you think that about me? And it's like, it's toying with that person's emotions and you don't know what that's going to cause over time. Definitely. So you just can't go there. You have to, even though you, you don't like what your spouse is doing, or you don't want to acknowledge, you know, anything, you know, you have to be a good parent mm -hmm. for your kids and not talk about that. Yep, so that that's was, really that's the hardest thing. And I remember, I'll give you a personal story. I have a, um, 
my daughter, um, when she was, when she was younger, she, she had this big old t-shirt that she used to sleep in. That was her dad's and I washed it and she got really mad because then I, then her dad's scent was on it. And then she didn't have that scent anymore to remind her of her dad. And I'm just like, oh no, I didn't mean to. And I had to bite my tongue so hard with that, you know, with that and deal with that. But I did because I knew that that wasn't in the best interest at that point in time to say anything bad about her dad. Wow. um, Yeah. So that was really hard to do, but you have to work through those moments and realize that what's best here. It's what your it's for your kids that you're doing this for. Yeah. And you definitely got um, that one included. You definitely got some not so subtle reminders of, you know, how much they are part of their father as well. So that's, uh, that's impressive. Yeah. Um, so it's not easy. So. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Brian, uh, what else have you got? I just, that's such a mature way you responded, Angela. Thanks for sharing <laughs> that, sharing that anecdote. What, what, I mean, if you had like a blanket, um, catch all advice for how to get along, how to work with a really difficult co-parent i mean that that theme keeps coming up on on our on our talks on the show so i'm curious what your thought is how do you get along with a difficult co-parent so what i what i do with my situation is i i make sure that we communicate by email only um and we don't do text messages because that um, gets difficult. And then that the, gets personal somehow. Why is that? I don't know, <laughs> but I mean, I do. I mean, I had, then you have a record, you have an email. Um, I used to always share, I mean, I, I, out of courtesy, I would just share information by email and say, here's some information that would come through. And then I would get the response. I already see that information from, you know, your, your, you know, your son or whatever. I'm like, okay, well then I guess I don't have to share it then. So I don't know what, what more you want me to do. It's like, you want me to share, but yet you then you <laughs> put that out there. So, okay. But I we're mean, just looking for reasons to be mad at the other person. Yeah. Yeah, right. Right. That's what it feels like. Right. So, I mean, keep doing it. It shows a, that you're doing everything that you need to do and, and the kids can't come back to you. I mean, if you don't say anything negative and you don't, and you keep just giving the basic information out by email and keeping the kids out of the middle of it. I mean, at the end of the day, the kids are going to see in the long run what's going on when they get older. And so Mm -hmm. even though you might not know that now, um, it will come back. And my kids have commented to me and things have happened Mm -hmm. that have been stated. And now that they are older, they see what's going on. And so even though you may not see that as you're trying to work through this, it will Mm -hmm. come out later and the kids will see it and they they will see what's going on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I was going to ask about that too because your kids are young adult age yeah so now my kids are 18 20 and 22 yeah 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 Yeah. and so now they you know now they're old enough to kind of know what's going on I don't have to have any more communication because now everything goes through the kids Mm -hmm. which and the one unfortunate thing is that now we're dealing with college expenses and so um the other and I'll, I'll, I'll just do one more thing one thing with a difficult spouse is that there are a couple things that I did not want to share in expenses with. And one of them was phones because I didn't want that being held over as a control issue for 
the kids. So I completely took responsibility for paying for all the cell phone because I didn't think that should be a shared expense. And I didn't want that to be used as a way to control. The other thing that I did was any kind of vehicle. And I know this is a big expense for people, but I always, but I took over the vehicle like insurance um, vehicles, you know, whatever the cost was, I took over that too, because I didn't want that again to be used as a control mechanism um, okay. with the kids. And so those are two things that I did um, so that I could help more of a buffer between maybe a some person who might be a little bit more controlling so that I then could come back and, and you know, they can't, can't control that. Um, and, and so, but the only thing now is that we've got the college expenses. And so I said, if there's any way, if I could go back, I would write that up differently in my degree. Mm -hmm. um, and so I always am really good about writing that up in other people's degrees now about how that's going to be handled. But I mean, that's the one thing where there's still some control issues. Wow. Um, again, uh, a million questions here, but I think we got to um, start to wrap now. We got to start to wrap things up here pretty soon. I want to uh, leave some time for um, like a burning question here. And then um, maybe this is going to have to be like a two-parter if we can convince Angela to come back once again, because there's just uh, there's a lot of a lot of meat in the bone here. Um, but I would say my final question is you talked a little bit about um, where you're at now. And by the way, I, I find it very compelling that you're kind of like on the other side of things I've got, you know, when I, when my divorce began two years ago, all three of my children were under the age of 10. Um, so probably kind of similar to what you experienced when your divorce began. Um, so I'm, I'm still kind of like just at the beginning of this and just kind of like feeling my way through it. And you're, you're this person who's kind of like at the other side of it, you know, kind of, so to speak with, uh, the exception of like, uh, college expenses and stuff. Uh, but you hinted at this, uh, and this is why I want to ask you the question. If you were to rewrite your decree right now or your parenting plan, what things would you change? What things would you have added knowing what you know now, like um, 10, 10, 12 years later with your kids growing up? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think, um, definitely, you know, the college part would be one of them. Um, we didn't have a parenting plan to begin with. So I think creating a good parenting plan, I would love, love to do that. Although, in my situation, um, so technically I had, I, I had, I have sole physical custody of the kids. Oh, I was going to ask that. And so, and we, and I did that because I gave up, uh, spousal support in order to do that that way. So I gave up some income in order to get that in, to get more the kids, more, I guess you'd say more control, everyday control of the kids. Um, and I did that on purpose. Um, so I, I did that in exchange for money. So gotcha. sometimes, sometimes, you know, you have to kind of give up a little bit to get a little bit more the other way. Um, yep. Uh, a, yeah. a very good choice in my opinion. Congrats on that. <laughs> what was, what was the, and I know I said that was the last question, but I'm gonna keep going a little bit. What was the, um, the parenting arrangement, the custody arrangement? So you had, um, full physical, um, and, and, uh, um, legal also, I'm guessing also. Yeah. So legal was, was shared 50, 50. And then I had sole physical, um, and it came out to be where I had probably 80% of the parenting time um, okay. with the kids over the, over so like an every other weekend kind of thing, maybe, yeah, or every other weekend. Okay. So it was, it was Friday. Yeah. Every other Friday and Saturday night. Yeah. Okay. And going through that type of, so we've had maybe, um, close to, um, 10 guests on our um, podcast now. And 
almost everyone so far we've seen like a 50 50 type of arrangement so i'm really interested in the um the 80 20 or you know s somewhere around there that you've had what were some of the um benefits from your perspective and challenges that you saw from the 80 20 i'm guessing you talked earlier about not having the me time and then post-divorce, you kind of discovered that was really important to you. Mm -hmm. So I'm guessing you didn't have a lot of that with the 80-20, but what were some of the pros and cons of the of that 80-20 arrangement? The, the pros were that the kids had stability and so they had always a place to go. And I was kind of like, okay, so I was really um, good about them having to be able to have friends over or go see their friends or, um, go hang out with, you know, active, go through the activities, do whatever. I mean, I was pretty flexible and I wanted to have a, just a stable home point where they could kind of go to. Yeah. So that was really a positive because I knew on the other end, it was going to be more of, um, they were going to be required to spend time with the other spouse and do things. And so they weren't going to be able to see their friends as much. They weren't going to be, I didn't even know if initially, I didn't even know if they're going to get to their activities. So I always knew if I, the, when I had them, they would get to all their activities and they could see their friends whenever they wanted to, they could do. And so I felt that that was important. And so I think that yeah. really worked well. I love it. That's really good. Um, I, I want to keep going, but we got to stop. So I want to, I want to give Brian uh, a chance to ask the Brian Burns burning question of the podcast, unless you've got some follow-up stuff left over Brian that you want to get I to got, first. I've, I've got two burning questions. Um, okay. I think, I, I think they're both pretty easy though. And they're both for you, Angela. Um, Emily and I, I was telling my wife, Emily, that I was going to be talking to you today. Emily knows Angela. You guys have met a couple of times, I think. And she said, ask her if she ever got the Rivian. <laughs> I do have the Rivian. I have it. Oh, oh fun! Awesome. Those look really interesting. Are they fun? Yeah, yeah it's great. And the, and and immediately after I got it, I hit a deer, or I should say, the deer hit me. So no uh, way. That was a bummer. <laughs> I know. That was a bummer. Oh my gosh! Uh, just like, was it pretty significant? Was it a? It was. It didn't look significant, but then you know when you start opening everything up, it's like then they found you know a bunch of stuff. So I'm like, okay, mm -hmm. well. But yeah. you still have it. I still have it. It was a year or, the... or like a month because of the deer, but I have it. So yeah. yeah. Okay. Those are just so distinctive on the road. I think <laughs> they are. They're I, they're really cool I, looking. When I see one. Uh second, what are you most uh or one thing you're proud of in your law practice today? What are you proud of what you do? Proud of in the law practice? Yeah. Um I guess just being able to um, help people through their this process. I mean, one of the things that I would like to see happen is that we look at divorce in a different light, that instead of looking at it as, I don't know, I think people look at it as, as being a failure and mm -hmm. I don't like that perspective. Mm -hmm. I think it should be more of a transformational journey. This is the time to look at a start to start something new and be more positive. And I just think our society has created this stigma on divorce. And I think we need to transform that. So that's oh, what I like to help. That's what I, I would love, like to start doing. I love, I love that. Um, I mean, that answer just once again shows, I think the level of integrity and intelligence and heart that you bring to your, to your practice. So 
Um, do you want to uh, tell folks how to get in contact with you if they hear this? Sure. Um, so I have a practice called Heart Law. Um, so you can reach me. It's online, heartlaw.net. Um, that's my website. Um, so I don't know if you want to put a plug in for my new, my new website or not, but I yeah, it'll be in the show that. notes. So I have a new site that I have just put up. It's called myvirtualdivorce.com. Wow. Cool. So, and if you wanted to read about the philosophy there, the transformation, it's all under the value and mission section. So you can go and look at that. I don't have any SEO on that site yet. So I am going to do that next, but it's there. It's up and running myvirtualdivorce.com. Now, that's super interesting. Uh, do you have to be uh, licensed in, I I'm assuming you have to be licensed in the state where the divorce is, is happening? Like you couldn't uh, represent someone across the country? No. Um, so right now, it's just up for uh, Minnesota and Wisconsin. Okay. Um, hopefully to be Colorado, because I'm going to be, I'm going to submit a license uh, to be licensed there coming up next. And then hopefully there'll be some other attorneys who are licensed in other states who can also do this. So we can have more than just those three. Nice. Very cool. Does that website enable me to retroactively hire you two years ago as my <laughs> divorce attorney? It does not. No. <laughs> Son of a bitch. I guess I can, uh, I can give it yeah, a try. For the Technology, low, low you never know. fee of $10,000. <laughs> yeah. I thought I'd ask, you know, you never know. Technology is becoming quite advanced. So maybe there's a chance there was not. Uh, that's a good spot to end it. I could say more things, but I don't think there's many things I could say that would top that last thing that Angela said about divorce and uh, helping yeah. you through a difficult time and becoming transformational-minded about it and less about uh, it being a failure. So I think we'll close things off on that note. Thank you, all you Kims and Jims, for listening. Make sure you find us on all of our social media platforms at Bad Weather Pod. That's on X, that's on Instagram and TikTok. Check out our website, badweatherwellness.com. And as always, thank you for listening. Bye. Have the best day ever. I wanna forget my bad days, all my bad days, and be okay, and be okay. Spend my spare change down at the arcade, and then I'll say, I'll say everything sucks.